What's up, sports fans? And welcome back to Low Expectations, the Gruder Golf Podcast. Tonight, you've got Kiki. What's up? Haley. Hey. And me, Jenny. Um, and we're really excited for tonight. So, But to start things off, we're going to give a special shout out to one of our Gruder Golf Ladies Club partners, and that is Arco's Golf. If you haven't heard of it, we hadn't either until one of our lovely members, um, Sarah, uh, started working for them. And it is a digital caddy that is on your phone and you put these little things on your clubs. That's a teaser. We're going to talk about it a little bit more at the end. Um, but on to tonight's episode, we have got Matt Considine, who is the founder and CEO of New Club, based in Chicago. Modeled after the golf societies in Great Britain and Ireland after an iconic trip that he will surely talk about tonight. Um, New Club is a society of golfers who appreciate playing the game with diverse and dynamic community at a collection of compelling courses and honored clubs. If that's not a pitch, I don't know what is. So, Matt, welcome to Law Expectations. <laughs> hey, hey, good to be here. Kiki, Haley, and Jen, thanks for having me. Anytime. And I do, have, know, a, I do have bones to pick. Can I just uh, kick it off with picking bones? I think that's the best way to start it. Yeah. So, when I you know, got the invite to be on Low Expectations and it, a new podcast, and you know, even in the name, I, I, I felt secure and safe that, you know, oh, yeah, sure, I'll come on your little pod. I, I I'm a follower, okay? I'm not just a, a guest. I'm also a listener. Jan- Daniel Kang? You have Daniel <laughs> Kang on the pod. That's the most recent guest right now as we're recording this. I am <laughs> outraged. This is this is high expectations, okay? <laughs> you have set me up to fail. I'm not as good as Daniel Kang. I'm not going to be nearly as interesting. That's not I don't thrilled. know about that. Also, I think that maybe Daniel Kang screwed us over by setting the expectations too high now. <laughs> because- <laughs> Yeah, our fault. <laughs> yeah, honestly, we got a bone to pick with her now. That that was awesome. I I've been trying to host a pod uh, for three years, and you guys got uh, some whales already in your first season. So I, I loved it too. It was a great it was a great interview. It was a great great conversation. Yeah, she was she was really lived up to all of our expectations, which were high. Um, <laughs> she's really her favorite golfer for a while, and honestly, we were a little bit nervous at the beginning, which I think you can hear. You can tell, um, yeah. She oh, definitely exceeded expectations even at the end with you know gifting. Yeah, so yeah, we didn't we didn't see any of it coming. Um, and also, I don't think we mentioned this last time. You know, she hyped up Adidas a lot. Nobody told her to do that. Like, I just want, don't want people thinking it was SponCon. She was at an Adidas shoot that day, so maybe she had Adidas on the brain. But and Adidas hooked it up. But it wasn't technically, you know, we didn't say, hey, can you, you know, say how great you think all the clothes are? So don't want people to think we're selling out too soon. Too yeah. quick. Yeah. You know, you can sell out. Just not too soon. Mm-hmm. Everyone, right. everyone yeah. will understand when it's later on, but just, you know, <laughs> pace yourself. <Yeah. laughs> well, Matt, on, if I'm being honest with you, we were a little intimidated to have you on because of that velvety smooth podcast voice that you have. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very true. It's very velvety, a voice made for radio, honestly. Wow, velvety. I uh I've never thought of it as velvet. Um I eat a lot of red velvet cake. So maybe that's where it starts coming from. But that's that's cool to hear. I I uh I did not realize that. Yeah, you sound like a natural. Um we were actually talking with um Leah from uh First Tee Chicago yesterday, mentioning that you were coming on tonight. And we were joking that, you know, that would be a great, your podcast is a great one to like play as you fall asleep, perhaps, because it's so soothing. 
<laughs> that's that's actually now I'm realizing this is not a positive. This is no, it is a good thing. It absolutely, you have great dreams of golf and like friendship and fun and all the things involved. Put in it on, and you'll just pass right out. <laughs> Don't operate heavy machinery while listening to this podcast. <laughs> just you should probably it. put that as a warning. I started, you know, I'll just bail on all the golf conversation and I'll just start uh, doing a sleep app or something. Headspace. There's money in that. Oh, there's probably more than golf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> more than there's in golf podcasts. Everyone needs to sleep. Yeah. Mental health these days. Where yep. mental it's money is. Yeah. Big, big Everyone's money, going big crazy in their homes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, thank you. Okay. So anyway, we have questions for um, you too. Yeah. So we're going to just start things right off with the questions that we ask every guest. So we did give you some time to prepare for this. So I'm curious to hear your answers. Um, your favorite golf club, club in the bag. So I'm going to give a total hipster answer to that because I got a couple different sets that I that I have for depending on how I'm playing golf. So in my uh, in my gamer set, I'm I'm very uh, into my um, driver, the new sim, which uh, I didn't get like all the way fitted for. I got like partially fitted for, but I'm, I'm what is, smoking. What does it thing. mean to be partially fitted? It's like well. I, 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 I'm not that into like, uh, the, the super detailed fittings of club champion. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still a competitive golfer. Like I play amateur events and I don't feel like I need the souped up, like, you know, like I'm a F one fifty driving car, you know, like I, I, I'm okay to get just the general fitting. If that makes sense. No, I don't like, what, what's what's the though. Yeah. Yeah. Like Subaru. I just want to make sure I have the right, you know, miles per gallon and everything else. But I, I don't, I don't see the advantage to paying like, you know, the shafts that they'll fit you in for like mm-hmm. 400 more bucks. Got it. I've never seen the benefit to those. I used to pay for them and I, I don't see the benefit. So I, I just like a good solid standard fitting. And so that driver that I got fitted for last spring has been awesome. I'm a big fan. Cool. Like that, uh, but my, you're pretty good if you're just <laughs> using. I feel like fittings are like can often cover up blemishes. I mean, sometimes I'm I'm good sometimes, but it it uh, it depends how I play. So my other set, I got to mention my grandfather's two iron, which wow. is the we call it the uh, it's the B line, and it was the inspiration for. I know we're going to talk about new club and the golf society and all that, but it was inspiration for our logo. And, and I found this thing kind of serendipitously while we were evaluating what we wanted to do for our logo. And I took it out. I played in, it was like November, like right before Thanksgiving somewhere in Northeast Ohio. And we did a one club challenge with some buddies. And I just, I, it just feels, it's one of those things like a tuning fork. When you hit it, you can feel it in your soul. And, <laughs> and it was, uh, I, I, I just couldn't get enough. Like I had to figure out about this club because it looked like it used to be a hickory, but it had a metal uh, aluminum shaft. So I started like asking, um, and he had passed. So I was asking my grandma, what, what the heck is this thing? And she said, oh, he used to fiddle with a bunch. You know, he's a fiddler. He used to do different things. It was in his uh, basement. He, he built the shaft. He actually made it himself. Wow. And so, so that's my, if I'm gonna, the driver's nice, but this two iron, this beeline, that's, that's the club. Wow. 
lot of history. Also, shout out butter knives and blades, which that, that's come out a few times. Come up a few I've times. A, I've got a fiddler in my basement right now, actually. <laughs> Jen has one of those. He's probably fiddling right now with them. As we, that's why I closed the door. Anyway, wow. <laughs> okay. Next question. What is? Oh, there's more questions. Oh, I thought I was just supposed to expound on that one. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about that club the whole time. Um, what is your favorite nightclub or bar or restaurant? I, I love the origin story of how you guys started these questions too, by the way. You always got to have a good origin story. So Should we mention um, it one more time for the listeners really quick? I feel like we haven't talked yeah, about it Yeah, just to refresh the memory in case this is their first episode. Our too, very first um, golf outing with 12 of our friends. We were going around. We were like, oh, we'll do a quick little icebreaker. Everybody say what their favorite club is. And we were like, Erica, what's your favorite club? And she was like, up and down. And we were like, no, not not club club, golf club. And, but we liked it. And so then at every Gruder golf event, we ask everybody what their favorite club and favorite nightclub is. And now we ask every podcast guest. <laughs> so, so what's yours? What's my favorite nightclub? Okay. Nightclub. <laughs> I haven't been clubbing in quite a while as I assume most people out there in quarantine world have not. Um, and I'm, I'm probably done with that now that I'm a dad, I'm guessing. You uh, never know. But I had, I definitely had one of the wildest nights of my life at Hagasan in, in Las Vegas. Oh, that place so, is fun. So that like in, in my mind, it doesn't even exist. You know, it's just like Atlantis and I was somehow there. And, and if someone asked me how to get back, I, I probably, I don't even know what casino it was in, but I just know I was at Hagasan and I know it was like just bizarrely otherworldly. It just didn't feel, um, it didn't feel real. It didn't feel like my life, you know, it was just a nut, nutty place. That sounds fun. Yeah. Um, I would pay serious money to feel like I was not in my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That might be too dark. I might have to cut that, that out. Again. That's not yeah. what I meant. I didn't mean my life is bad. I just meant like that experience yeah. is like something that I'm craving. That sounds really fun. Craving, yeah. craving, craving. It sounds so foreign right now too. Yeah. You, you know what I heard uh, on something I was listening to is that if you look at all the um, depressions and pandemics and like all these times in, in history, uh, immediately after were like the craziest decades, the roaring twenties followed up the Spanish flu. Mm, sure. So like, think about it that way that people are just so craving, you know, to be in society again and to socialize and to party and do all these things that they weren't able to do. I mean, look out 2020s. This is going to get I bet people are going to be cutting loose. <laughs> it's exciting. Good news for Gruder Golf that, yeah, that's exciting that's like for, us. for us. We like to good. hear that. That's our business. Social social events planning company. Everywhere. Music to our ears. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, last question is, what is your dream foursome? This can be celebrity or non-celebrity golfer or non-golfer, living or dead. Hmm. It's a... Uh, so I gave it some thought and it's a broad question. I, if I said my family, you know, members, including my wife and my, my dad and my brother, and my sister and all, all the people that play golf around me, you know, like that is the dream foursome, but I don't want to get shredded from your listeners for giving that. Like, that's not as, as fun. <laughs> boring. So, not as fun. So let's, your let's family, to, boring. <laughs> yeah. Celebrities are just more interesting. Mm -hmm. it's the, the quote from almost famous. It's like, I, I'm friends with famous people just cause they're more interesting. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, childhood crush of mine, Jessica Alba. Oh, wow. Big First time, time golfer. Her. Big she time golfer? golfer. Yeah, she's a big time golfer. Wow. What? Um, yeah, and she's not in your face about it. That's what I like about it. It's not, she's not like all, you know, 
Oh, we are going to have Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, who else? I'm going to I'm going to throw in uh, Dead. I always thought this is kind of. I always thought um, I did an internship at IMG Sports uh, in in Cleveland, Ohio, when I was uh, I don't know twenty or whatever. And I always thought I'd meet Arnold Palmer. I always just assumed it. You know, he he was kind of the guy that started it along with Mark McCormick, and and uh, I just assumed like, yeah, our paths will cross. You know, it's like everyone has an Arnold Palmer story. I too will have an Arnold Palmer story. I never got to meet the man, and um, and I like I had a couple opportunities with with friends and. Uh, never did it, but he's a guy that I admire more than anybody in the world of just how he treated people and, you know, all his accomplishments in golf are insane, but nobody talks about that first. Everybody talks about how good he was to people. So he would definitely be in my foursome. Um, so Jessica Alba, Arnold Palmer, and, uh, I'm going to get political. I'm going to throw Barack Obama in the mix. Chicago. That's not even political anymore though. Cause oh, you're right. He's just, you know, a good dude who's out there now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With a velvety voice. Maybe you it's the, too maybe that's a velvety it. voice. Maybe Someone's listened to Obama's speeches. You knew you had a nice voice. I got a yeah. I was there in 2008 in Chicago. It was my first, like, I don't think I officially lived here. I was sleeping on a friend's couch or something. But uh, I went down to Grant Park when he was um, the, the president-elect. Wow. You know, what is that, like 2008? That's a long time yeah. ago. That's pretty wow. cool. So yeah, he would be, uh, he'd be the the last. He'd round it, round it out. I love it. Yeah, love to know That's Jessica Alba golfs. Yeah, That's really valuable intel. It is. We gotta get her at this stage in our development. Yeah. <laughs> get her on. She's next. We gotta find her. The High Expectations um, Podcast. I know. If we, I've never heard her in a golf podcast or any podcast actually. So maybe there's an Honest Beauty sponsorship in our future. Who knows? Um, so exciting. Um, all right. So people are probably wondering who you are and what new club is. Um, so we already mentioned that it's kind of a non-traditional golf club without a home, but they play traditional clubs. Would you say that's like a good estimation? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fairly accurate. In a lot of parts of the world, it would be classified as a golf society, which here is a, a new term. People don't really understand, but yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so what, um, what was kind of the, the birthplace of that idea and how did that all come about? Yeah. So uh, the inspiration for it is um, my time spent in Scotland and Ireland, uh, the first of which I was 20 years old, uh, had quit my college golf team for a difference of opinion with the head coach. Um, I just wanted to be a college kid. And when you just want to be a college kid and you're at the University of Akron, uh, you look to go elsewhere <laughs> because it, it wasn't much of a party school. I love my alma mater dearly, but uh, it wasn't much of a party school. And I grew up in Akron. So I just wanted to leave and get out. And my family has heritage to Ireland. My uh, All the stories growing up as a kid. Um, we went there when I was a, a little kid. I just had this love affair with the country of Ireland for a long time. So I applied for a scholarship to go because I was losing my golf scholarship and I was, you know, like, oh shit, I got to pay for college. This is going to suck. And I got another scholarship to be the international college ambassador for Akron. Um, and I went to the university college Cork for a year. So Cork is kind of the southernmost city in, in Ireland. It's um, the second largest behind Dublin. And uh, the, everyone in Cork will tell you it's the real 
capital of Ireland. Everybody yep. knows that. Um, <laughs> and, and anyone that's been there, I, Jen can verify. Uh, it's great. It's a great, just culture filled city. It reminds you a lot of other European countries, but, um, I went over there without my golf clubs. So I was a collegiate golfer, totally burnt out. Didn't want to play just again, wanted to be a college kid. And, uh, I was playing on the hurling club, which if you've ever seen the game of hurling, it's like a mob, uh, fighting while kind of like field hockey, I guess it's just, the most violent, intense game ever. And after about uh, three days of getting my teeth kicked in, <laughs> uh, there was a guy on that. T- I mean, literally, they were out yeah. to kill me because they, d- they don't like Yankees, as they called us, to to say that they could play their games. Like, they grew up playing that game, and I'm just waltzing out there like, oh, I'm going to you know learn this real quick. Um, <laughs> there was a guy named Graham who took pity on me on the side. And he goes, Hey, I heard you can golf. Uh, I run the golf club. Why don't you come play with us? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're right. I should probably stick. I should probably should stick to that. So I didn't have my clubs and I, I had to, uh, you know, call my mom, have her send my clubs over so I could play with these guys. And what I discovered, you know, to kind of speed the story up, I just discovered that golf there was treated so much differently than what I grew up with, uh, so much differently than what I had experienced in college, this obsession with the perfect swing and score and all that. None of that mattered to these guys. And it was all about um, playing a match. They played nothing but match play. Uh, They were social. You know, they weren't just in their own little worlds of you know, trying to shoot under par, they they were um, playing matches and, and having fun, and and the community around it and the team around it. I just I just hadn't experienced that, um, and and they didn't have any money. Uh, so so That's the best these part. these college teams that have no money, they have to like fill a schedule, and so the way they filled their schedules is they played twelve v twelve matches against golf societies in the local area. So we were playing all these older guys that were like mid thirties and forties and fifties and sixties that I, I just couldn't get my head around it. I'm like, where do you guys play? And they're like, man, all over. I was like, but where do you like, where's your club? And they're like, ah, we meet at the pub down the street. We have a annual meeting and, and all these things. So that was my introduction to golf societies. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward. This is going to be like a double length pod, by the way. So, <laughs> That's really we're, we're here for it. Yeah. Just just we'll prepare. We'll to talk. <laughs> just prepare your audience. Uh fast forward 10 years. That was 2005, uh 2015, me and some family and some friends went to Scotland. Um which I had been to and my when, there's a bunch of in between in this story. I come back to the United States, I end up rejoining the golf team. Uh my roommate was Scottish, a guy named David Addison. Uh, another good guy to have on the pod. He, he works in the game of golf. He, um, uh, he kind of sh- continued my love affair with golf and, and introduced me to more of the stuff in Scotland, you know, the roots of the game. I go there in 2015 and I had that magical day that you were talking about, Jen, where we got invited into the new golf club of St. Andrews, which is uh, a golf society that sits um, they have a clubhouse, so they don't have a physical golf course like our clubs here in the United States. They have a clubhouse that sits off the 18th uh, 
the 18th at St. Andrews. And we got invited, just some guys that we met through, you know, playing the course and, and talking to some some lads on the the putting green. And uh, and so we got invited inside and that was like the aha moment for me where it has been done this way for almost a thousand years in Scotland. And there was no pretension about it. There was no, you know, it was just special and different and everyone was, was welcoming us in, but it was all, it was just about the game. You know, everyone wanted to just play golf because they love golf. And, and so that day, uh, and, and I, there was like, I mean, this is like a movie script, like the sun started setting over the 18th at St. Andrews with the open championship scoreboard in the background. Like they hadn't even put up and I'm watching all this and I'm drinking scotch and I'm like, this is it. And I turn, I turned to, I, two of my cousins were sitting next to me, Dan and Dave. And I guys, I was like, guys, this needs to exist in the United States. Um, maybe not, maybe not a clubhouse. We're not going to buy, you know, property, but, uh, I just want a, a community to play golf with that I can rely on and, and we can go see cool, interesting places. And, and it's all about golf and, and none of the other stuff. So that, that's the, uh, the story of new club. That's after that day, I came back 2016. I started the LLC that is new club and, you know, we, struggled for a while but uh but now we have 700 members and and it's uh it's a blast cool. so, so the whole goal though was to recreate those golf societies here in the u.s right and i mean that i'm not really that familiar it sounds like most people aren't um are there other golf societies here or is new club sort of a class of its own um and then beyond that it's just like i don't know in prepping for this interview we talked a lot about what we find is so wrong with golf clubs traditionally today, at least in the U S. So we'd love to hear your perception or your opinion on sort of where those gaps are and why there is such a big gap between what those golf societies are in Scotland and Ireland and, and sort of what they should be potentially here. I don't know. I, I'm assuming that's the end goal of new club, right? Yeah. I, I mean the, um, well, to, to your first question, were there others that existed when we, you know, officially launched in 2017? Uh, there were. And and I looked at them as evidence that it, it could exist in the United States, like it's, it's possible. Um, but I also knew that we wanted to be very different. Uh, most of the ones that I had seen at that time were uh, national, kind of de- destination-based. Um, most of them had exclusionary requirements, like you had to already be uh, a member of a certain tier private club. And, and I thought to, to myself, you know, that's, that's not what I experienced. Like that would be the opposite of what I experienced. Um, what I'm looking for is a local community of people that, you know, work and live where I do that I, I don't have to be, you know, harassing my non-golf friends to, to, to play with me all the time, which, um, you know, we have to do that. Don't get me wrong. We need, <laughs> we need those people to play the game of golf or it dies. Um, but I also felt like there's enough people out there like me that just wanted golf in their life and had raised their hands and said, I'm a golfer. So I wanted it to be local. And, uh, and that's, that's what we did. Um, for your, what was your other question, Haley? I mean, this is kind of a bigger topic. Uh, just wanted to tease it a little bit, but just thinking of where traditional golf clubs in the U.S. are today 
and sort of the stigma associated with them. I think Jen Kiki and I have always talked about, you know, I don't, as a 30 year old, I don't have a desire to join a club, at least not at this juncture in my life. And there's a lot of reasons for that. So I'm curious from your perspective, you know, how did we get to where we are today in the U.S. with regard to golf clubs versus what you've experienced in Scotland and Ireland and, and this whole golf society sort of approach to playing the game that we don't yeah. see here. Yeah. And I think a big yeah, part it's... of that too is almost like the country club, right? Like that, that's it's not a golf club that's the issue. It's like the country club and like that's a good the distinction. Country club mystique and obviously just like the pretension of the whole thing, you know, like it got pretentious when it was like, kids in high school going to hang out there all day and the, the rich kids, right? Like Bushwood, right? Like that's kind of, I think what most people think of when they think of golf and that's so different from the golf that you're describing. So like, how did it get yeah. so like twisted in the U S yeah, there's, um, man, I've, I've read quite a few different books on the history of, of golf in the U S trying to answer that question myself. And I don't think I have like the clearest picture of it just, just yet, maybe there's a book out there that will get me there. But maybe you should write I, it. I think, oh, maybe, <laughs> yeah. And then it just becomes the truth. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think it mostly, um, you know, it, we were younger, right? As an, as a country, and if you think about the success of the United States and the wealth that was generated, people were looking to do something with it, and mostly it generated your, your free time and your family. So what didn't exist in the UK was what you're talking about, Jen, the country club. Like they had golf clubs, they had, you know, places to play golf and then clubs to play on top of them with. And it was really about who you lived by <laughs> and, and you played the people that lived on the other side of town. It was like, you know, very um, uh, simple, I guess. But uh, for us, it got complicated with, with the industrial revolution and, you know, golf courses being built for the wealthy. Those were the only people that had the money to build them. Uh, golf construction was an expensive endeavor for the U S cause we didn't have links land to build upon, which is so much cheaper because of sand, sandy based soils. Um, so like all that contributed to it and, and then it, it also became, um, very, uh, not about who you, uh, lived by to be your golf club, but more about who you associated with. And a lot of that fell down to class classes and, and wealth. And, you know, some of the horrific things in our country is religion and your race and your sex. And that was the truth of the matter is like people were looking for those havens to you know, assimilate with in a way. And so it's, it's, you know, in Chicago, we got a bunch of Jewish clubs that opened up at the sheer fact that they needed a place to play because they weren't allowed to play at the Protestant clubs um, or the Catholic clubs. And, and that's crazy for us to think about in our generation, because, you know, if you give a shit, I don't really want to spend time with you. Um, but <laughs> for back then, and that's not that long ago, we're talking under a hundred right. years, under 50 years. It, it was, it was a reality and that's what, and then it grew out of that system. And I think one of my longer term missions for new club is, you know, that's not, hide from that reality like that's accepted it's what our past was it's what if you are interested in private clubs there's nothing wrong with that you should be they're great that's where a lot of the best golf is at and if you find a club that you're in love with then you should be there but be there for the right reasons and let's acknowledge the history of racism sexism and uh, all the prejudice that built these places. And that's, that's accept to not be that way ourselves. That's accept to change. Cause I think that's like, 
that's where it all went wrong for me. You know, is the exclusionary that we're going to have 100K um, initiation fees, not because we want a better golf course, but because we want to keep people who can't afford it out. And that's that's where it went wrong in America. And I think what's so cool is that a lot of clubs know that. A lot of clubs realize that. And now they've already built a million dollar pool and, you know, a $12 million clubhouse. So yeah, it's expensive because they got to keep all these things up. But in the end, it should be about where you want to spend your leisure time, where you want to hang out. And and let's just keep it about that. Yeah. And so the whole, the whole new club, that's beautiful, by the way. Um, it's a great, great history <laughs> lesson that honestly is news to me or not news necessarily, yeah. but it, yeah. it ties things that I already knew together, which is lovely. Um, but that whole, so the, the country clubs being like pretty good, right? So the whole new club effort was essentially to like solve the issue of not being able to decide slash not wanting to settle with one, right? Well, it's funny, like you asked me about origin and I think there's the inspiration, which I, you know, gave plenty on, but then there's like the business decision of actually quitting my job and doing this and why it makes sense. Um, and I kind of sum that up by, you know, at this time, I am meeting a bunch of uh, self-proclaimed golfers, you know, people that are pretty affluent, doing well, working downtown, you know, millennial type jobs, um, should be joining a private club, which our parents did and everybody before us, but they weren't. And even worse, they weren't playing any golf. And this is, you know, 2015, 2016, um, the, the market was way down and just people weren't playing golf. And I kept meeting these people that like love golf. They watch golf. They read about golf. They dream about golf, but they don't play. And I was one of them. And, I, and so I go, okay, you got to give better reasons to these people to actually get out and go play. So let's start there. Um, and then I started talking to clubs and my friends who are head professionals and my friends that are general managers. And a lot of those people I met in those IMG days who are in the golf industry. And I started talking to them about the challenges of the club. And sure enough, this what's happening is people weren't joining clubs, that they were looking for new avenues to get younger, that their membership was rapidly aging. So I... <laughs> I just sat, sat back and said, okay, you got these challenges on this end and, and I see the people on the other. You just got to bring them together. You just got, that's it. You just got to get that same group that's not playing golf but loves it to, to understand and meet these people and make sure they know that they're welcome at these places to go play and everything solves itself. So that that was like the the real aha moment of like, oh, there's there's money in that, you know, the people are paying to play. It, it makes total sense and the clubs need it. They need the revenue. Uh, so, so that was like the deciding factor of, all right, I'm gonna quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. Make it sound so easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I know. Yeah, as, as I talked to full, three fully employed uh, moonlighters, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. We're, we talk about it every day. So <laughs> do, your, do your bosses listen to this podcast? My boss and my dad, so I hope so. No. Yeah. I, <laughs> my, my boss is, I think some of my bosses listen. Um, yeah. They, they like it. They all golf. So it's fun. Yeah. Not, not in my world. My world is not very golf forward. So <laughs> two different lives day and night. Well, Kiki, I think you should, uh, it sounds like you got a great employer. I think you should stay. Uh, everyone else needs to quit their job <laughs> and get in this game. No, Jen's dad is like 
once we started golfing, Jen's dad overheard us saying how much we liked golf and immediately bought Jen a new set of clubs. I needed structure in my life. I think that was a subtle hint that I needed to, and you, and you <laughs> I needed to grow up a little it. bit. And that's why I saw it as I've, I've really grown up as a become a golfer. Um, but also yeah. I'm a real estate developer by trade. And so I think that's a very translatable skill and hopefully will someday come in handy when we develop our own golf course. For sure. Yes. We have one more question um, about new club that I'm really interested in too. So for like the approval process, because on the website you have to fill out an application and all this stuff. So what specifically are you looking for and why? And do you turn anyone down and are there tiers? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the vetting process was, you know, important from, from the beginning. And I think I've talked to, Haley and Jen before about this before we're not good. I shouldn't say we're not good. We're just not the people to introduce others to the game. If, right. if that makes sense, it's, I, I had to early on, it sounds good to say like, we're going to grow the game. We're going to, you know, be a fully inclusive, which we are, but I just know we're not well suited for people that are just picking up the game. Um, our hope is that we are, advocates for them. Our hope is that we bring them along the way with us. And and we're doing things like um, uh, we're doing a, a family tournament this year, right? Where it's a little par three course. You're going to bring the kids and, and your spouses and, and boyfriends, girlfriends who don't play the game. Um, we actually do a couple of, of those events uh, throughout the year, live music. And it's just, it's chaos, but it's a blast. And and so the, that those are ways, like small ways that we can get people um, into it. But the reason that we vet is that we we believe the the golf society is there for people, again, that have raised their hands and said, I'm a golfer. You know, I, I really love this game. I love the nuances of it. I love getting into it. And I want to I want to get to that deeper appreciation for it. And so our our if you if you click through that whole application process, there's stuff like etiquette assessment, um, uh, pace of play. What's an etiquette assessment? Uh, we, Kiki has not clicked through. Questions about, <laughs> yeah, I know it's questions about, uh, etiquette questions about, yeah, like, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of hypotheticals. It's, I used to hate tests, so it stresses me out a little bit, but it's like word problems, kind of like, uh, like the group in front, like you're going to let the group behind you play through on a par three. Um, you know, should you all, uh, hit shots and rush through the hole and let them play on the next hole? Uh, should you all wait until the group gets to the tee and let them play? Should you each hit your shots and then stand to the side and let them That's walk the through? That's right Stuff like that. I know they can be answered. C is the right answer. The last we, one's the right you answer. You say C. I knew it. Yeah, C is the right answer. Okay, good. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I'd be appalled to know what our what our newer golfers would answer. Wait, did uh, <laughs> you make all the questions, Matt? Yeah, let's take someone through the etiquette question. Yeah, that's funny. Hey, did you write yeah, that? I'd have to, that one's off the top of my head. I I did, yeah, along with uh, with members and, and committee members and everything, and and frankly, the nature of what we do it's a requirement because if we were to um, hold up, Pace of Play is a great example. We're guests at these clubs, like full guests, and if we hold up pace we're, we're dead in the water you know our reputation would be don't let new club out they play slow and they're gonna you know muck up the golf course and, and leave it in terrible condition and and we know that's not the truth right a, a new golfer also has common sense to not like you know 
drag their feet on like it, a lot of that stuff's overstated so Maybe. we've I seen a lot of new golfers that. and they do some terrible things sometimes because they don't know <laughs> it's really it's not because they're trying to be dicks it's because truly no, people yeah, it's all do not know like we put up a the sign like we had a picture of you know the sweetens cove sign it's like replace your ball marks and one of my friends wrote like haha people actually do that and i was like griffin like you didn't know that by now <laughs> and i dm'd him and i was like it's Griff, like you long. need to look up what that means because you should be doing it if you're playing golf anywhere but people that, that truly important. don't know and it's not yeah. you know i think that we're obviously huge proponents of growing the game we are we are living growing the game but you know there's places to do it and then there's places where the game is pretty much fine how it is and you don't need to grow it there it's already grown <laughs> yeah and and we're pro i mean what's so, and and I, I think i said this to you in the past but like we aren't going to be the experts in that so we just need to go out and work with the people that are right. and and again make sure that they know that we're champions for them and that if they when th that day comes that they're going to show up with us at that private club that we're going to be standing with them you know and excited and excited that they're there and like everybody's rooting for you i think that's like the main thing that i i um hate to see in the uh in the country club community it's like yeah, I understand. You pay a lot of money to be at this this club and you deserve to have it to yourself and you deserve to have it, you know, uh, at a good pace of play and all the all the rules and stuff. You're a private club. You're well entitled. But just let people know you're rooting for them. You know, <laughs> like I want you in this game. You, you should be playing golf. And and it's a great game. And it's taking me all these places all around the world and you should do it, too. Um doesn't mean that you're like going to get out to you know Shinnecock tomorrow, uh, but why don't you aspire to play at Shinnecock? And and so on top of that, like a Shinnecock should be open to the public two days a week. Like how mm. hard is that? It's not that hard. So th those are the things that I, I think we're hopefully working towards. Do you have like an end goal for new club or like in a perfect world, what new club would look like for your members? Not really. Uh, I think in a perfect world, it's just more, more markets. You know, I, I like what we're doing. I enjoy, you know, my job for the first time in my life. And I, <laughs> what's so that my, like? My, yeah, my perfect world is just to keep doing this. Uh, don't let it collapse on, on itself and, uh, and be in more markets. Like we're, we're in uh, Chicago and Atlanta today. Uh, we have an ambassador program with hundreds of people all around the country and we're waiting for the next pockets of, of cities to launch. So it looks like um, uh, Washington, D.C. is probably going to be up there. Uh, and then we got a, a nice, very impassioned group in Seattle, Washington that's really oh. gung-ho. So that we'll, we'll just take it as it comes. You know, we're not in any hurry. We, we uh, again, just we love our members and we love putting on good golf for them. So we'll, we'll see where it takes us. Totally. Um, what are the dopest clubs you've ever been to? We've already asked you your favorite <laughs> golf club, your favorite nightclub. What's your favorite other golf club? Physical golf club. <laughs> yeah, other golf. Yeah, there's a lot of clubs. Um, I'm a big uh, vibe guy. So uh, the, the, the private side, I mean, again, like that's not what's important to me is, is the exclusivity, but vibe does matter. So Sweetens Cove, we're all fans of Sweetens Cove. Is there a better vibe in golf? Probably not. I've never, you know, heard anybody that's gone to Sweden's Cove that's like a fun person that didn't have a blast. So I think that's got to be up there. 
Um, some other on, on the private side that kind of remind me of it. There's a place in South Carolina called Secession Golf Club that's just outside of the top 100. You know, nobody's bucket list and going there, but it is just unbelievable vibe with like a back patio that wraps 360 around and the golf is all walking and it's just really, really cool. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. And then, uh, I don't know, Scotland and Ireland's where my list just like goes off. I, I, every time I've been back, I try to just hit these little ones that nobody talks about. There's a place called Dukes, um, in, uh, in Southwest Ireland that is, uh, so vibey, uh, the members I, I had, you like, you have a club championship cat caddy for you. They're a club championship or champion caddied for me. And then we go inside and he puts on like the bib and he's cooking in the kitchen <laughs> and then he's, he's bringing beers out to us. I'm like, Hey, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm the cook. <laughs> and and, he, and he's the club champ. So he's a member. He's the cook. He's the club champ. So like places like that are just, you know, those are the places that top my list. That makes oh. perfect sense. I mean, Love everything, that. everything is a little bit better in Ireland. I'm obviously very biased. Um, where does your, where does the Considine family hail from? Uh, <laughs> County Clare. Oh, lovely. Is, Beautiful. Yeah. Cliffs of Moore, that, that country. Innis, I believe is the town. Wow. Beautiful. Chen, what about your family? Um, so yeah, where are you guys from? Ross Common and Dunny Gall. So the the very north, actually, like uh, my great grandmother's from Malin Head, which is as close to Scotland as you can possibly get. And we've long kind of guessed that perhaps she was actually Scottish. She's a bastard. So we're kind of a little bit unclear. Rumor has it she got like handed over on a boat. From Scotland. Unconfirmed. <laughs> no photographic evidence. So we'll never really know. But <laughs> A little bit about that. That's how they did things back then. <laughs> that was immigration back then. You got handed yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. Of the boat. No paperwork, no nothing. Just a, a bastard, just flown in the wind. Um, tell us a little <laughs> bit. What else aside from the golf? What are your other favorite parts about Ireland? Aside from the golf. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about the bastard flowing in the wind. I don't know. I just made that. No, up. the bastards. Oh, <laughs> The Battle of the Bastards. Back. Game of Thrones. Big fan. Yes, yes, love that. Yeah, yeah. The uh, now the Bastards are great. I'm a big fan of those in the country. Everybody loves. The I bastards. would go with so amateur amateur sports. I already talked about hurling a little bit, and that's a totally amateur sport. I think there, that, like you almost I, made it sound kind of tame, though. You, people literally punch each other in the face. It's so vicious. It's like rugby it or rugby is a different game. It's known as being like a really? more like a more aggressive and violent rugby. If you can imagine. Yeah, oh, it's like I, it's I like a combination of rugby, soccer, and bare fist boxing. Jesus. Hurling. You know, okay, like, wow, yeah. And and and, ho- and hockey. I forgot about hockey. Sure. So that sure. that's um and it was uh man, I fell in love with it as both like a fan and a uh, tried to be player, but that obviously I already told you that that was short lived. Um, what I thought was so cool about that for in the country is all their amateur sports, you know, Gaelic football, hurling, uh, they would fill stadiums, 80,000 people on a Sunday afternoon to watch amateurs play a sport. Like literally you could, you know, I could watch this guy score 
15 points for you know the cork rebels and then i could go into the bank the next day and cash a check with them like that's the people that were playing and wow it it just is like different it just felt so different than you know our pro arenas so when did you guys go to ireland together so in 2016, um, Boston College. So in Dublin, they were doing a push to bring the American football there for I don't know why, because also bringing BC there was Probably like curling. Why? Um, but they did it anyway. It, it was a it great excuse for us to take a trip. Um, and but this is before we golfed. I know. So we didn't right before. We didn't think to even like take advantage of the trip to go golfing anywhere. We were purely there as civilians. And we stayed right above in an Airbnb, disgusting Airbnb above the world famous (laughs) temple bar. There were feathers everywhere. We were like, we were like in the temple bar, but like upstairs, but it like was the temple bar. (laughs) It was, Honestly, <laughs> made for a very convenient launch pad. You got you got all the smells of the temple bar. It just like with- was it? Like it was just it was disgusting. It was like that and the Papa John's across the street, which like still to this day like disturbs me that there's a Papa John's like within a stone yeah, throw. For the, for the listeners who have Airbnb. never been to Dublin, like Temple Bar is like the most touristy, most disgusting part of Dublin. Like you cannot find. A worst part of the it's city. Times Square. It's, it's the Times Square of Dublin. It's the Faneuil Hall of Dublin. <laughs> and we were like, that's where we want to well, stay. Guys- right above <laughs> the the like the most touristy bar. I was I was in charge of booking, and so I always get very defensive when it, like the Airbnb comes up. But I'm like, you guys wanted to stay in Temple Bar. I got you guys Temple Bar. <laughs> I mean, we were so drunk the whole time. It was pretty convenient. <laughs> yeah, it didn't matter. <laughs> I love I love like travel decisions of, of like oh my god Temple Bar like I've heard of that we got to stay in Temple Bar of course Bar. I'm gonna stay there of course Ground, Ground Zero right in the middle that's awesome yeah, let's do it 25 year old I mean it was kind of fun no it ended up being really fun because there there was like a college reunion of sorts based on whichever groups of friends kind of made their way over there and so we'd see them at Temple Bar and we're like hey do you want to go upstairs for a little bit hang out <laughs> we had like our own green room upstairs. So I think it ended up working out perfectly, and I will defend that until oh, the day. I, I mean, die. in case you can't tell, we're bringing it up six years later. I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, it was great. The next, the next sort of topic we have on here is to talk about Chicago, which is really an open-ended topic. Um, but I obviously you've mentioned a few times now you grew up in Akron, obviously uh, adjacent to Cleveland. For those that don't know, um, so it's not maybe that obvious at all. Uh, my first question for you is. How about that Browns playoff run? <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Typical Haley. Hillsland. About time we got on the real topic. I I spent most of 2020 in Cleveland. My boyfriend is from Cleveland and I am up and I mean I grew up in Toledo, so not too far away, but I never really had a true affinity toward a um professional football team. I, I did, you know, follow the Patriots when I was in Boston for all those years. Yeah, Haley, but I feel um like you were a Patriots fan. I mean, I was, but the minute I left Boston, I couldn't still be a Patriots fan. That was just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're like, what is wrong with you? And then I met Noah and I was like, okay, yeah, I love this story. Well, I love the Patriots story because of Brady, Belichick, Kraft. That whole thing was great. And then, you know, I started to see cracks in it. And then I met Noah and he exposed me to the Browns. And I loved that story. The fact that they hadn't won in two years. And then you have Baker coming up and he is so cocky, but also great at the same time. And he's really finally coming through in this past season and the team's clicking. Love Stefanski. Haley, this is throwing me for a loop entirely. 
Yeah, Haley, you've been doing a lot of betting. This is the betting. We're this all getting into betting, betting this I mean, year too. I have. It, we all got into betting. You care about sports. Yeah, it makes you care. It makes you care. So golf betting, and specifically female golf betting or LBGA golf betting, is our next venture. But anyway, wanted to throw that in there, knowing that you're a fellow commander, and just want sure. to throw that all in there. Sure, a golf there podcast. Is, this is a podcast about many topics. There is. I'm. I'm a. I ride or die Cleveland sports, but there is kind of like a weird um i don't want to call it rivalry but like maybe a sibling rivalry between akron where i'm actually from and cleveland oh so uh, here's this here's the determining factor is would your boyfriend noah consider akron its own city or is it a suburb Ooh, great question he's not here otherwise i would have called a friend um because if he says suburb then it's a fight i think it's a city you know, okay. I, th- I think he would say city. I think he like, and this is purely my guess, but in, in the way that he talks about Akron, especially like, you know, it comes up with LeBron, obviously. Um, it feels like a separate city. It doesn't feel like a suburb. He's from Cleveland Heights, so he's from the suburbs too. So I don't think yeah. he'd put Akron in the same line. It's, it's, Do you it's want like, it to be considered a city? Oh, I've seen dear friends go to blows over this topic of like, you know, the guy that grew up in Cleveland refers to Akron as a suburb and the Akronite is just yeah wow. throwing down like it's it's uh, not everybody probably my lunatic friends but it's it's interesting it's like because like you wouldn't think about it you brought up Chicago you know Naperville or Schaumburg mm-hmm. are clearly suburbs uh, of the city of Chicago and <clears throat> anybody sure. from there would totally admit to that but Akron's closer to Cleveland than those uh, those suburbs are, and and they right. just you know it's not a suburb though it can't be it's its own it's, you know it's its own deal, but we still root for all okay. Cleveland sports so that's that's the uh, that's the thing that binds us you know and LeBron LeBron was like the peace the peacekeeper you know he he I mean he that brought all title. of Ohio oh for sure he brought the title to Ohio he brought us all together so. Uh, I grew up. One, one of my favorite LeBron. things. I, I don't know if it's Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I don't know if it's Dave Chappelle or someone was like. After LeBron left Cleveland for LA, like Ohio, was just like yeah, no, we understand it. Like we got you. Like <laughs> all good. Yeah, <laughs> we're, it's like we're whoa, happy. we're not mad. Well, you're leaving. Oh, yeah. LA. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, fair enough. No, uh, which I think summarizes a lot. Um, but no, just about Chicago too. I mean, you you've already sort of talked about it, but you know, new club started in Chicago. Your whole mission was to make it a, more of a local social golf club, which sounds like it's at contrast with any other version of a golf social club that already existed. Last time we talked, you had, you had talked about Atlanta and ex, uh, expanding there, which was really music to our ears. We we have a fond place for Atlanta, specifically Jen does. Um, love to hear that. You know, you're thinking of Seattle and DC and. You know, I think it makes sense to to sort of follow where your members want you to go. But um, if you had to choose, you know, what were what would be some of the cities that you'd want to to go to next outside of you know membership um, moving or, or sort of swaying it one way or in another? Boston. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you would ask me two years ago, I would have just assumed geography made sense. You know, like uh, go sure. go to Milwaukee first, and then probably Detroit, and then you know Indianapolis, and you know Minneapolis, and Cleveland, and just kind of like a midwestern hub. But um, because we're just kind of listening to our members, 
and and those ambassadors were just just kind of following their lead. You know, wh- where would I like to see it? Um, I'd like to see it some warm places that I could uh, get out of the foot and a half of snow we have right now in Chicago. <laughs> um, I'd like to see it there. I'd like to see it in just some kind of like underappreciated golf towns. So uh, Chattanooga is loaded with good golf. Um, places wow. like that that just people wouldn't wouldn't think of that just have a really rich golf history and really fun, cool courses. Um, I'd love to see it there. Uh, I don't know. There's nowhere like like it was so funny to me is that if you travel, which hopefully we get back to doing that and remembering what that feels like again. But w- w- you could stop anywhere and you're going to find a fun golf course, you know? And, and so, like, mm-hmm. there's there's no limits to it. Golf golf expanded so quickly back in the day. And there's just so many little hidden gems that you've never heard about. Is my voice putting the audience to sleep by now, you think? Is everyone in bed? I Can we? It. No, this is, all, this is all enchanting stuff. Yeah, well, we I'll, we'll touch on fatherhood really okay. quickly. I just I want to say one comment about it. Um, you which have one is comment on fatherhood. Just one, one comment on that you're a new dad. Um, your baby, Eleonora, which we were just admiring her name actually earlier. It's a beautiful name. How did you choose that name? <laughs> that's not my comment, actually. That's just one Thank question. Uh, and then I have one other comment about her. <laughs> I, I, I'd say, yeah, how do we pick the name? Um, we liked... So my wife is Rebecca, but she goes by Becca and we like that and the A at the end. (laughs) So we were looking at names similar to that and um, Nora, we, we like too, but we also liked a more elegant kind of old fashioned name. So Eleanor, I was in the camp of Eleanor. I'm a big uh, Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt fan. And so I- Who uh, wasn't? I wanted that and we just compromised. It was a compromise. So she wanted uh, Nora and I wanted Eleanor. And so Eleonora is well, what it became. Well, we all love it so much. Yeah, it's a great name. Um, so good job. Um, but there was one photo well, you. that you sent, um, I think to Haley that I saw. And it's like a picture of her. She's like a newborn baby, three months old, falling asleep with her hands interlocked in what looks like she's about to hold a golf club. And it is literally the cutest thing I've ever seen. And so just want to know your thoughts on that and your thoughts on maybe her being a golfer. I, you know, I always made fun of those dads that like, you know, Instagram dads pumping pictures of their kid out there. Um, I can't help myself. <laughs> like it's, it's just like, I'm so damn in love with this kid and, and proud of her already. And she hasn't done anything. She just lies there and, you know, <laughs> cries and poops. And um, I'm just like infatuated. So I, I think, you know, I, inter- I interpreted that as, an interlocking golf grip, which, uh, if it's true, she would be left-handed. So I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on that. She's only, she's only three months. So I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on, all right, which side of the ball is she going to stand on? I'm I'll love her. I'll love her regardless of what side she stands on, you know? Um, but, uh, but no, that was like 110% a perfect grip. And so I really hope yeah. that she, she does become a golfer, but I, I thought about it too. And I'm like, man, don't don't do that to you know don't don't put all that pressure on a kid to love the thing that dad loves you know she i i just hope she loves something as much as i love golf that's honestly that's my my thing and i will watch that and i will support that 
you know, hopefully it's not like, I don't know, beating up old ladies and that's what she's <laughs> into. You know, I, I, th- I hope it's like something productive and like society. My mind was like ribbon twirling. <laughs> okay. Ribbon twirling. We might draw the line at. Yeah. But I hope, I hope she just gets into it, finds her community of people that also dig it and, and goes at it and gives it her, gives it her best and tries to enjoy it as many ways as she can. So if it's golf, awesome. She's already got the grip, but if it's something else, that's cool too. Love it. Oh, that's beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful. Um, we're, we're, we've got a lot of nice. Yeah. Really throughout this episode. Um, <laughs> I think we don't need to be here. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do we, I told you we're, we're running up an agenda with ask, ask Mark. Mark's the co-founder. He's like, dude, I only have one agenda item meetings with you anymore. <laughs> He's like, I, he just, Hey, I can relate. <laughs> we can all relate. A lot we of talking can, in this yeah. crew. Yeah. Um, so I guess we have, we have really one final question. I know we're running up in time, but we already knew that was going to happen. Um, but we want to, you know, we, you touched on this a little bit, your, you know, entrepreneurial leap, we'll call it, um, which is a big leap, you know, going from a paycheck that a stable corporation is giving you um, to kind of charting your own territory, which I'm sure will be an inspiration to Eleonora as she grows up. Um, but wondering if you have any advice for those who might be interested in doing something like that. <laughs> asking for a asking friend. for a friend here. Oh, Coming from an advice standpoint, man, that's that's or you different. Can even I thought you were going to ask me part about of it or something, or the decision itself. I you mean, know, you can whatever you want. <laughs> what? A, yeah, it's just it's a it's a meaty topic, and and um, I think my I, I I was told this. I'll share the um advice I was given that. I'm eternally grateful for a girl named Claire Liu, who started the um, startup Know Your Company, which I believe has changed names a few times, but it's it's very successful. It's like uh, a software that helps CEOs better know their employees, like without being totally intrusive and um, you know making people fill out forms and such. Like it's uh, she, she was just one of my favorite. Um, her and I ended up on uh, a junior board together in Chicago and every meeting I would, cause I knew she was like the most entrepreneurial person in this group. And every meeting I would um, kind of try to corner her and, and it's like, Hey, I got this idea I'm working on, you know, like, like, Hey, I just don't. And she, one day she goes, you know, you've brought this up a couple of times now. You must be really into it. And I go, I, I am really into it. I, I sit at work and I think about it all the time and I'm, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm just constantly like mapping stuff out and trying to think how this is going to work. And she looked at me, she said, inspiration has an expiration. And, and I, I did, you know, I thought about it. I'm like, she goes, you got to act because she goes, I've had great ideas that I wanted to do something with. And, and it fades because all we have is energy in this world. And we, and we had to decide what we put our energy towards, you know, what, it, what is it? And, uh, that, that was it. Like that was the best advice I think I received about, about diving in, um, only because I was putting so much energy into my existing job and it was giving me nothing back. You know, I was, uh, this is, this will become a psychology, uh, session real fast, <laughs> but 
I, I was going down uh, a path that I didn't recognize myself anymore. I was um, really, uh, you know, motivated by dollars. What were you and, doing? And trying to be. Uh, I was working in business development for a large scale uh, health insurance technology company. And, and so it was tied in with uh, the Affordable Care Act at the time. And um, I was meeting with, you know, people in DC, I was meeting with uh, hedge fund people, I was meeting with large insurance companies. And, and um, just like my, my golf was soulless, I was playing only with people to make money, like literally just play with clients to make money. And I didn't enjoy it. I, I started when I started not enjoying golf is when I realized, oh, shit, <laughs> this is serious. Like, I, I think I got to do something because that's my thing. Like, that's what I always did since I can remember. Um, so that was all, all that. And then talking to Claire and her saying, like, you got an idea. You got something you care about. You owe it to yourself to go do it. And, uh, and it was scary because, you know, I hadn't saved that much at that point. Um, still, still don't. But uh, it was the right move because I'm working on something I care about. And, and I see it now, you know, like you'll have that uncertainty and this is a more startup advice, I guess is man, there's never a day that you don't feel like the house is on fire. Like something's going to collapse because everything's unknown. Everything's an unknown and and you got to, um, get yourself to a place that's okay with that. But look at like the current times, even if I was working at my desk job, I would have had the same, same uncertainty in a way. Or, or even worse, you, you don't know what what you're capable of if, these ideas. So, you know, for me, it was the right call. I, I know that type of uh, instability isn't for everybody, but it, but it was for me, and it was for my co-founder Mark uh, as well. He he, God bless that man because he has uh, has kept my head on straight through all this, and it's been a hell of a lot of fun, a lot more fun than what I was doing. Oh. Wow. I mean, I think we all probably have a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I got chilled multiple the, times. The unfortunate thing, I mean, for me personally, you know, like I don't hate my job. I mean, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I really, I truly enjoy what I do. I build mixed income housing, renovate public housing. I love it. I love working with residents. I love it. I think I love too many things is sometimes a problem that I like. I, I think that would be an apt way to describe you, Jen. Um, so full of love. I feel the same way. It's not like I hate my job, but I could love it a lot more. And I could love doing golf related jobs a lot more than what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to say, it's hard to like make that leap if you're not like miserable, right? Like if you're not like, like if you're like, oh, this is pretty good. And then I guess I just do both things. And like, I don't know. But yeah, I I can see where you need to push though. Which I think there there are if you're able to like if if you actually can grow your passion project to a point where it's um you know showing you the the path forward while keeping a job that you love and and that you know you're you're able to balance that then yeah that, like that i i think a lot of uh of the problem with startups and that culture that grew out of silicon valley is the like grow 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 break 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 you know do do I've really had to break my own subconscious about that because, you know, I came out of Groupon, which was literally the fastest growing company of all time. So like I understood this weird, crazy growth mindset. Like that's what was inbred in me. And I've had to beat that out of myself because we're just not that company. 
you know, we're, we're not funded. We don't want to be, we, we like what we do and, and we're going to slowly grow and that's okay. Like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think a lot of, um, tech investors too, like everyone thinks that the, um, the tech investors are the, like the power, like they are the smartest guys. Of course they want you to grow fast because they want you to want their money. Like there's nothing wrong with growing steady, slow and steady. There's nothing wrong with that. So I, I, I tell people that too. Like if you're in something you love, I wasn't like, I'm just speaking from my, my deal. <laughs> I was not a happy dude. And, uh, and I needed to get, I needed to, to do something. So it was might as well be something that you care about. Yeah, I think um, that really resonates with us. Definitely a slow and steady model over here. I mean, we, the thing, the funny thing with us, I think too, and I don't know if this is too transparent, but I think our listeners might be interested. Like we never got into this to make money out of it. We got into it because we right. truly thought that more women should play golf. That was it. You know, we were like, oh, if we get to play golf for free sometimes, that would be cool, I guess. You know, that was the most we ever wanted at the beginning. And then as it's kind of grown and people have just attached themselves to it. And really also like the feedback that we get on it is so inspiring. Like when you hear somebody saying like, Hey, I started playing golf cause I saw that you guys did it and it looked like something I could do. Like that's pretty powerful. Um, and that's been kind of, you know, the fuel that we've been running on up until now, but obviously <laughs> to take it to the next level, you do need money. So <laughs> exploring ways to do that too. Um, but it's kind of secondary. It's secondary to the mission. I think we're obviously, we talk about this a lot. We're not a nonprofit. Um, you know, we want to make money eventually, but um, it's definitely a mission-based and we're you know, slightly for-profit um, <laughs> right now, and a non-intentional nonprofit. Yeah, we're we're have a yeah, we're not for losing money. How's that sound? Because that's what I am. Like I'm, I'm not for like for. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, even. I think all businesses model. are, unless you want to go unicorn style, you know, get those big funds. I, it's, it's, it, that's exactly what any business is going to be for a decade, you know, break even. And, and I, I think the thing about like making money is I knew new club was nothing if I couldn't give it a full time go, you know, because of the, what my vision was, I just knew that that requires a ton of time, a ton of time. So in order to give people that happiness right of of having a community to play with and cool places to play i had to give it my full time and i think that's what i love about you guys is i watch the community element of what you guys do and people are happy you know and that that's like think about anything we're doing in this world you know i think my what's it, i think one of my favorite movies it's the only true currency we have in this bankrupt world is happiness and, and, and making people happy. So you guys do that and, and, and you, you deserve to, um, be able to do that full time, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not in five years, but people that sign up for your events that buy merch, they are supporting you guys to just hopefully live off of it. So you can do it for more people. And I think that's like the message that we always give to our, our members is, you know, Mark Caldwell and I are not looking to get rich off of this. <laughs> we are looking to have a, um, a job that we're happy with and we want to continue providing a service to now hundreds, hopefully thousands of members and people that you can meet and people that you can spend time with and that you can socialize with. And to do that, we have to charge a price for a round of golf. We have to charge a membership fee. We have to sell golf shirts as much as I hate selling golf shirts. We got to do that so that, so that we can support our time invested to it. So that's why you guys 
need to make money is so you can do more of that. Yes. Apologize to your bosses for me too. <laughs> we appreciate every single person. I don't know if a lot of people know this because everyone's really surprised when they come in, but everybody who buys a piece of merch gets a personalized note these days from Kiki saying thank you and you know something special. They get pretty long, actually. My mom yeah, was they're pretty My mom bought some merch for the first time, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it was the first time, but thank you, mom. Um, but she bought some merch and she was so touched by the note. She was so surprised by it. I was like, oh, we do that for everybody. Um, so buy some, buy a t-shirt. We have a lot of them. Um, we do, before we wrap up, want to give a special shout out again to um, Arcos, who I think a lot of people also forget one of the major, actually, um, uh, economic drivers of Gruder Golf has become our membership model, um, which was mostly formed a to foster a sense of inclusion so that, you know, we always tell people to identify as a golfer. If you play golf, you're a golfer and being a part of the Gruder Golf Ladies Club is still a golf club. So you're still a member of something. And I think that does lend an air of confidence a little bit, um, especially to beginners. And, um, it's a pretty low fee. And if you use all of the features, you make your money back like five times over. One of those features is 20% off at Arco's golf. So there are these golf sensors. You put them on the ends of your clubs. You don't even notice that they're there. There's an app. You keep the phone either in your pocket or on a little fob thing. I forget what it's called. Um, and it tracks, it's basically like a digital caddy. So it tells you all your distances. It does averages. Eventually, if you use it often enough, it will suggest your club and also works as um, a range finder. So there's an app that will tell you what, you know, where you're at in the course, what your yardage is, et cetera. It's a lovely little thing. I started using it. Um, my friend Tsunami Curtain told me that I wasn't good enough to use it and I should probably stop, um, but I haven't. So um, shout out to Arcos. Our members get 20% off. And if you're considering, um, solidifying your commitment to golf this year, I encourage you to join up the Gruder Golf Ladies Club. You can find it on our website. Um, but that was sort of a little plug. It's a new, it's a new feature, Matt. What do you think? Fantastic. <laughs> I think you have the better podcast voice oh, of anybody on this call. A lot of verbal ticks. Totally agree with that. As I, as I edit it, it gets really frustrating. Legit. <laughs> like, Really oh, good. No, 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 okay, I'm we got to get you out of here. Well, I well, first, I, we discussed this before, and I had the harebrained idea that we would re-release this, but uh, on our pod, totally. Oh yeah, drop. Talk about plugs, but I would rather have you guys on where I get to ask the questions. Would that be cool? That sounds totally fair. That. And yeah, we forgot to even me- we mentioned your podcast, your podcast voice, but we didn't tell the listeners the name of it. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> it's the bag drop. It's new club. You have some fantastic guests on there. You really do. Yeah. Thank you. I, you know what? I enjoyed, I enjoyed your guys' technical difficulties with Danielle because my first uh, whale, if you will, was a guy, Michael Bamberger, um, golf.com. He wrote one of my all time favorite books that like I read a little bit younger and I was just, I was infatuated with them was, uh, to the Lynx land about Scotland. And I had a absolute meltdown with the technology trying to get them on. So to hear you guys go through that with your whale, I was like, ah, it makes me feel better. It was physically painful. That but is thrilling. through it. We're yeah. still here. Yeah. But other than that, Matt, thank you sincerely again. Um, and till next time, everybody, hang loose, swing easy, and we will see you later. Yeah. You never know what to say.
I'll let you pick the Black Keys song. Any Black Keys song is my is my favorite. But I I will say that do you guys have the rights to these no, songs? No, but we haven't been stopped yet. We're begging for a cease and desist from somebody big. God bless you. I again, my uh, co-founder Mark will never let me have fun. He is the fun police. I started with you know all the like I had Bob Marley. I had uh, I think I had the Black Keys in it too. Like my favorite bands. I had Weezer. And and he just looked at me. He's like, "Yeah, we're not going to do this." <laughs> so hopefully, I just didn't put you on the, you know, the radar the of, of where the governing bodies of Apple. Honestly, bring it on. We want the attention of any of them. Actually, they maybe this is this is one and... last thing. But we're starting um, a virtual clinic at Five Iron Golf called the Sunday Service. That's going to be coming up in the next month. Um, and somebody was like, "Oh, doesn't Kanye West have that same thing?" We're like, "No, that's what we named it after." <laughs> We're like, isn't that legally an issue? We're like, we hope so. This is from Kanye West would put us on the map. Yeah, okay. Now you know, there you go. Back to him, we gonna do you in. Tear you down and run you around. Treat you wrong and then he's gone. Fool.